Everyone still looks uncomfortable. Perhaps it all remembered that old saying, power corrupts. Second Officer Slog, episode 16. I'm your host, M. I'm Jackson. And we're here to talk about Discovery. If you hear a bunch of noise in the background, there's construction happening right outside my window. And I'm trying to, like, turn down my gain, but it's just, there's, like, drilling and sawing and stuff. It's obnoxious. My apologies. Yep. It won't be too bad. But, yes, that's what we're dealing with. Jackson. Yes. You watched the Orville. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I did not. I did not do that. <laughs> I read what? <laughs> I, I <got> very, <laughs> I, sometimes I get caught off guard when you say a thing, uh, and this is one of those times. Yeah, no, it was really good. Because <laughs> last week we didn't even do the Orville running joke because you hadn't watched it in so long that like you're just out, and so we're not going to do the you know. You watched the Orville, haha, no, I didn't bit. That's boring. But apparently you're going to bring it back just to fuck with me briefly and get moments of my confusion captured for all to enjoy. <laughs> it was a really good moment of confusion, to be fair. <laughs> I was so confused. I watched Star Trek V. That did happen. Star Trek V's dumb. <laughs> yes, it is. It's not... I don't think it's as bad as everyone makes it out to be. Like, it, it's, it's a blatantly stupid film, and it's not particularly well made, but... The moments of the characters interacting, they have been doing that for so long that it is mostly charming and good. Yeah, they go on a picnic. They go on a picnic. They sing Row, Row, Row Your Boat and Roast Marshmallows. That's what they call them, yes. Oh, yes, they do, man. Star Trek. You know, it, it's dumb. It does have the only, like, Romulans in those movies, and they look radically different than all other Romulans. Oh, I don't even remember. Wait, is, is he a Romulan? No, there's a lady who's a Romulan, and she just has, like, ridiculous high hair and, like, uh, the most 80s eye makeup. Who, cause who's the main, the, the leader of that cult? I forget, isn't he, like, Spock's brother or something dumb? Yes, he is, he is Spock's other brother, okay, half-brother, yes. because it's Spock, Cybok, and Michael Burnham. Though, the, the, the it is explicitly stated that Cybok is much older than uh, Spock is, so... I like that that's a part of the plot. I, I forgot, forgot that, man, if Discovery manages to work in Cybok to Michael I Burns. would lose my mind. Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, man. You're right. You're right. What if? <sighs> yep. We're here to talk about Discovery, episode yeah. eight. I thought I muted my mic, but instead I just opened a soda right in front of the mic. My apologies. That's definitely picked up. <laughs> uh, that's fine. Yeah, these are these are looser. Sorry about that, everybody. It's it's been a it's been a goddamn week, and it's only Monday. Oh, oh. so Jackson, what's the episode we're talking about? Fuck you! I held, I handed that off to you perfectly, ready for you to say the episode title. Because I'm not. It's like, what is the episode title? Please just give me that episode title, because it's like Siva Ziva's Parabellum or something. Okay, so I will. Disclaimer, I don't know Latin, but uh, Sivis Passum Parabellum. Okay, I was close enough, yes. Which uh, translates to, if you want peace, prepare for war. Yes. The other uh, details, please. It uh, is episode 8 of Discovery. It aired uh, the 5th of November, 2017. Uh, it was written by Kristen Bayer, 
uh, and directed by John Spot, uh, John Scott, not John, John Spock. Spock. <laughs> no, John Scott. Uh, and it uh, came. It, it was set in Stardate 1308.9, which is useless because that's not the actual year. It just says 1308.9 here, but it'll be shortly after all the other Discovery episodes, yep. uh, which all take place uh, around the same time. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, be the so, start of 2257, presumably. It is worth pointing out that Kristen Bayer is the woman in charge of... She's done all of the Voyager relaunches after yes, a certain point. Like, she's written, like, eight of those. And she is in charge of the, like, tie-in novels and comics. She's, like, the overseer of all that stuff for Discovery. So mm-hmm. this is both someone from the books and someone that is, like, oh, like shepherding the entire Discovery project writing this episode. Yep. It's, uh, it's, we'll get into it. It's very exciting. It's very, this is just a Star Trek book in a very real way. So in this episode, uh, Michael Burnham, Ash Tyler, and Saru are on the planet Pavo because there is a giant, like, resonant forest there and a weird crystal spire, and they're able to use that, or the plan is that they're able to use that to disrupt the, or to detect Klingon ships under cloak uh, if they reprogram it. They need this because every time they fight the Klingons, they don't really know how to track them because they keep cloaking because Cole has disseminated the cloak among all of his officers and they are just tearing through a ship. Uh, ships, uh, the episode opens early on with them fighting uh, Klingons who are attacking a Federation ship and even with the mighty discovery they cannot defeat cloaked ships because there's a lot of cloaked ships and it's really hard to figure that out uh cloaking is dangerous and bad y'all it's true uh anyway they're here to do this while the discovery is just doing what it's business which mostly entails uh Stamets and Tilly talking about what the hell's wrong with Stamets because Stamets comes out of the a uh, little mycelium chamber and is like, oh, Captain, what are you doing down here? And she's like, what did you call me? And they have a conversation about how his facts are always wrong. And this absolutely is that Captain Tilly is the captain of the Discovery in the Mirror Universe. It has to be. Come on. I will accept nothing else. No, I assumed uh, that it is um, just a little nice little neat reference to that thing. Like maybe they're going to do Captain Tilly in the middle, middle eh, in the Mirror Universe. I, I, I don't know if they want that just yet. I don't know. I think it would be amazing. Anyway, anyway, on the planet, uh, they're all walking through this forest, and it turns out the forest is alive and part of, like, a giant nebulous organism that is the entire planet's ecosystem that's, like, a bunch of glowy blue bits that uh, interface with the Discovery crew, mostly through Saru, who is able to hear them with his, like, naturally attuned prey animal senses. And he communes with them in like first contact protocols because now they have to ask them now that they realize that there's life form there if they can change their spire to detect Klingon ships. Uh, Saru and them interface in a weird way and it brings Saru peace. But because this is Star Trek, bringing Saru peace means that Saru is actually incredibly dangerous. It's like, I'm going to destroy your communicators. We're just going to live here now. This place is our new home. Everyone get cozy. No more protein rations. I've got a gourd for us to eat. (laughs) Yes, he comes in with an alien gourd. Uh, so Ash, Tyler, and Burnham team up to... Ash, Tyler distracts him while Burnham goes ahead to do the spire, like reconfigure the spire anyway so they can contact Discovery. And Saru discovers this and races after Burnham and we get the amazing shot of Saru, who is 
able capable of great speed running at great speed and we'll talk about it anyway uh he attacks burnham and burnham shoots him until he comes to his senses a little bit and then he's like i did the right thing i had no fear it was it was it had to be done i needed to protect these blue orby people they did not know what was coming and then the blue orby people are like we are going to actually help you and then they reconfigure the spire with their blue orb magic to actually send out the signal everyone's beamed off meanwhile <laughs> Yes, uh, on the uh, Klingon ship, which is being controlled by Cole, uh, which is the, the uh, I think they call it the sarcophagus, I don't know if it has a Klingon name. Uh, but yeah, it, in production, ship. production it was always called the sarcophagus ship. Yes, uh, on um, Tukovma's ship, Cole is there being evil uh, in charge of the Klingons, but Lorel is also there trying to like find her place and offers, hey, you don't have anyone to like interrogate prisoners, and you've got a prisoner who you need interrogated. Let me go find out some shit. I'll prove I'm useful. Uh, sh- uh, this prisoner is, of course, Admiral Cornwell, who we saw get uh, captured a couple episodes ago, uh, and uh, she gets out her knife and is like about to... Uh, like stab her and tells her to scream Cornwall does and then oh, the second the guard walks away she's like okay good now we can have a chat I hate Cole we're gonna take him down we're gonna we're gonna leave we're gonna escape and we're gonna fucking destroy this Cole guy uh, as they are making their escape together their impossibly doomed escape who do they run into but Cole uh, and then uh, Lorel reacts by like getting into a fight uh, with Cornwell and pretending that she had like escaped of her own record and she was just quickly killing her, pushing her against like uh, a, and a panel or like a power panel on the side of the wall and she falls over dead and says, "I'm disposing of her body now. I'm going to drag her to the death room uh, and dispose of her body there, where she sees like the corpses of all her Klingon brothers and sisters who have also been killed by Cole and she vows vengeance and leaves uh, Cornwell's body there and the shot lingers on." Cornwell's body in such a way that's like, hmm, what do you think? This, I think she's not actually dead. Weird, strange, plotting in a TV show. She goes back to the bridge uh, and goes, Well, I was still able to get some information out of her. I know about the discovery and it'll bring you great power. Uh, Cole sees through this immediately and after like making her pretend to like swear fealty to him, just sends her off to get beaten up by his crew. Uh, and as this is happening, immediately a signal comes in from Parvin. And tells them, hey, it's an invitation to Pub, and I guess that's where we're going now, because <sighs> what did the blue aliens do? What stupid so, thing did they do? <laughs> Michael Burnham and everybody are beamed up, and they're getting debriefed by Lorca, and Lorca's like, what the hell did you do? I told you we needed to tech cloak ships. And she's like, I totally did that. They agreed to do that. That's what they did. And he's like, no, that's not what they did. They sent out a giant beacon to direct it at the Federation and at the Klingons saying, hey, come to Pavo, let's have a talk. And that's what's about to happen. The Klingons are coming and we're the only thing that can stop these blue goo aliens from being destroyed by the Klingons because they're going to be really mad that a giant blue planet summoned them. <laughs> I can't wait. Cliff, that's, yeah, that's actually the episode because, yeah, uh, the next episode is the end of this section because there's a break until January. And so, yeah, this is the cliffhanger into the f- fall finale, quote unquote. Modern TV sucks, Jackson. I know. I know. There's uh, nothing good or natural about shows being split up, like seasons being split up in half like this. I agree. I agree. Um, like, I guess it, it, it gives them more time to do work on like post effects. This is this is the only this is the first show I've watched that has this kind of big season break like this. I, so I was about to say I don't think that's true, and you just watch them after. But actually, you don't watch enough modern TV shows. That that is probably yeah. True. No, <laughs> uh, like the most modern like prestige TV show I have watched us uh, before this is well, Twin Peaks didn't have a season break, and then it's The Wire. 
Yeah, The Wire was way before that. <laughs> yep. The Wire was a dec. The Wire ended a decade ago. I'm just telling you, that's how much TV I watch. I know, I know, man. Time to change. Um, it won't, and I know it won't because they've already done this before. But what if next episode begins with and now the conclusion? <laughs> uh it, they won't because if you had anyone other than major barrett saying it i would be so upset mm, you're right you know you're right you're right i you're right. like i don't care about the computer voice i care about that one i don't know why that's the case but it's the case sorry <laughs> no i you I, I understand like i don't have it in the same way but no of course yes um anyway this episode is so if you only listen to these discovery episodes we do episodes about star trek books Yes. Uh, we read Star Trek books. We explain them to you. You don't have to read them. We'll just tell you what's going on. It's like most of them so far have been about what happens after DS9. So they're kind of full of spoilers if you haven't seen DS9. But uh, the best part of Star Trek books is they're full of ludicrous things that they could never do on Star Trek because they don't have the budget. And like the show has to be like grounded for normal people. So they can't just have living planets that are a giant forest that communes with Saru through glowy blue shit. But now we're at the episode where the forest communes with Saru through glowy blue shit. And it's amazing. Yeah, like it's the most ridiculous kind of like in any other uh, Star Trek series, this planet would be a couple of maybe it'd be a real forest and like a couple of like map painting or CGI shots, depending on the era of a big spire in the background. But if this is just like we got shot in this forest and we CGI'd in a bunch of blue shit everywhere, like kind of spores being around uh, this crystals over here, it just looks on a scale that the TV series weren't able to look until now, just because yep. of the technology, it's very cool. It reminded me a lot of that planet that we read, that we visited in Twilight, with the, like, God. weird octopus people and the giant, like, coral city where the moon blows up and it only takes three paragraphs for them to fix it. <laughs> uh, it takes them much longer to fix it, but yes. <laughs> yes. But they oh. fix it within a chapter. <laughs> what a good book. Yeah, that's a good book. If you want good books, go listen to our episode about Twilight, the best book we have read for this Podcast. Oh, easily, easily. It'll be top um, for a long time. So you have Ash Tyler and uh, Michael Burnham continuing their burgeoning romance, which basically involves Ash Tyler saying lines that have to be coming from a Klingon because no human would say something so stupid. <laughs> uh, have you been trout fishing before, human Michael hey, when Burnham? When we're done, we're, we're done with the war, I'm going to go trout fishing up in the lake that's near the place I said <laughs> I was from. And Michael Burnham's like, well, bully for you, I'm going to jail. <laughs> Yeah, and he, God, his delivery is amazing. He is like, oh, this uh, fact point that I read on the Wikipedia page of the place I am pretending to be from. Uh, if you're just listening to this episode <laughs> and you haven't listened to the other ones and haven't kept up with the Vok theory, uh, that is clearly true. Is clearly true. Ash Tyler is Vok. So uh, there is maybe the best stupid line ever in a Star Trek in this episode. It, it, there's a, there's strong competition, but it may be the corniest line in Star Trek. So, so Michael Burnham's like, the war's gonna end, and I'm gonna go back to jail or whatever, and he's like, well, then I hope the war never ends so we can be together. And she's like, you don't understand, like, the needs of the many. Uh, and he's like, I don't care about the needs of the many. Sometimes you have to care about the needs of the few. And then she tearfully looks up to him and goes, or the one. <laughs> I was, like, on Skype as you were watching this episode. That's hilarious both times. Oh, God, it's good. 
Oh, it's very dumb. Anyway, uh, Saru comes in the next morning all, like, brainwashed from the spores. He's not actually... So, the thing is, you like, because we watch Star Trek, the natural assumption is, oh, the spores have brainwashed him. They just want to keep people here. And no, all it actually did was make him, like, not have fear. And that is such a foreign concept to him that it basically broke his brain instantly. Yeah. Uh, which is way better. But he talks to Ash Tyler and then gives him, like, a green crystal to be like, hey, this will make you feel better. Touch the crystal. And Ash Tyler, like an idiot, touches the crystal. <laughs> Uh, which glows, and then Saru's like, uh, you are lying to me. You are hiding things. You have evil purpose. But that purpose is not that he's a Klingon, just that he is stalling for time. <laughs> yeah, the fact that he can't figure that out, because, like, I don't know, maybe it's not true. Maybe they're going somewhere completely different with this, but it's fucking clearly true. Yeah, we haven't seen... Fall- There's a, Skipping ahead, but it's relevant to this, there's a bit in the Laurel stuff where Laurel is like, I've lost all of my friends. Even Valk has been taken from me where I the- cannot follow. <laughs> the line is like, he is chased away, forever gone. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, sure. Uh-huh. And then Saru does his... Ama- so <laughs> they choose to actually show the, the Saru running... Um, and not just like have him off screen or point of view shots or whatever. Uh, and it's great because they don't have the budget to like actually create CGI Saru, but they do for a couple shots and his arms are just going everywhere and he's running like crazy. It's so good. Yeah. What it actually, what it actually looks like is he is like filmed running and then sped up and then up, uh, like, te- like green screened in to the setting. Yes. Like that's most of the shots, but there's one shot where he's slightly on the distance on the cliff, yeah. which is the yeah. best shot of the whole bunch. Yeah. And he's just a weird spindly monster because Saru is a weird spindly monster. Yeah. He's just like slender man running his way down the cliff. Yeah. With his weird hoof feet. It's really good. And then, and then with all of his gazelle like grace, he double ax handles the computer to death. <laughs> Because he's still a Federation officer, damn it. And we do that here. We, the way he fights a computer is to double axe. <laughs> he, he, like, he like donkey kicks Burnham in the stomach. Like he can fight in different ways. He just chooses to do that here. I just, like To me, that speaks of the effectiveness of Starfleet training. That even in this heightened moment, he retaliates to the things he knows how to do. Burnham completely forgets that she knows like Kung Fu from three episodes ago and just gets beat down until well, she that, pulls a phaser. That was mind Kung Fu. I assumed mind Kung Fu translates to real Kung Fu. She did Vulcan training. I assume they taught people how to actually fight and not just mental fight. She knows some Vulcan nerve pinch. That's a hard thing to perform. That's true, especially for a human. Yeah, because it's specifically said the Vulcans know it and like Data knows it because Data's Data. And outside of that, it like humans, it's hard for humans to do. Yep. Uh, it's a good, it's good. Yep. So yeah, that all, that all happens. That's a, that's a ridiculous... Uh, it is the most book plot. It's just a bunch of people on a mission that is like wildly out of scope with what Star Trek usually is. The planet is really cool. And then there's dumb romance. And you're like, God, this is embarrassing for everyone. And then someone has a personal revelation and it all resets. At the end of the thing. It's just like every book we've read. Well, yeah, because there's like a scene with um, uh, Burnham and uh, Saru in sickbay afterwards having their like, we're going to uh, wrap this up. And he's like, you know, I didn't like go crazy. I just ha- like I was just so... I have never not been afraid, and apparently I am su- such that I would sacrifice everything to never feel fear again. Uh, yeah, he does point out that she continues to take everything from him. Like, him being around Michael Burnham is actually the worst thing in the world for Saru. Yeah, he looks around at him uh, her, and goes, for a Kelpian, that was an eternity. <laughs> no. Anyway. <laughs> that was for you. 
you. Yes. Anyway, um, the Discovery is really bad at fighting, apparently, because in the thing, Conflict with the Klingons, uh, it is just Lorca, like, berating his bridge staff for being incompetent. He, yeah, I feel like the bridge staff should... I'm sad that none of the bridge staff have, like, characters yet. I mean, season two and books exist. Sure. Uh, and, like, a, a bunch of them, at least two, I think, are, like, Shenzhou survivors. So we'll get filled in there. But I thought it was just uh, the late, uh What's her name with the uh, headpiece? Is it just her? Maybe it's just her. Uh, gosh, what's her name? It should be in here because she's in this episode and it's not. That's dumb. That's so rude. Uh, yeah, Memory Alpha dropping the... Oh, no, she's totally here. Kayla Detmer, that's her name. Okay, cool. the headpiece, yep. Yeah, because uh, she's, like, cool and looks cool and had, like, a moment with Burnham in episode three, but I wish I wish there was more personality to the bridge crew. Yeah. Like, there, they have very cool designs. Yeah, there's Arium, who's the robot alien lady, and then there's uh, Joanne Oasekun, who's the, the black lady with the very cool hair. Yeah. It's uh, a, those it's are the two that we see a lot of. It's a shame because the show is really cool and like it is able to do what it's doing because it is only a fifteen episode show. Mm, it's only a fifteen episode show and goes back and forth, uh, just barreling through a big uh, plot, you know, arc rather than being an episodic TV show in twenty seventeen. But mm-hmm. I want the epi- I want to know. I want like the episode where they hang out on the ship and we like get some of those, but not. We're not going to get the deep dive into like here's just these kind of episodes because TV isn't that anymore. You can't do that. But I mean, maybe this maybe this show will chill out a little when it gets into its second season. Like you, they wrote this knowing that they had to swing for the fences. So like I things like this fall by the wayside, right? You can yeah, they will definitely do things, but just also, by the virtue also, of time, it's not like a, not gonna like fill in everything. Lower decks is a season seven episode of TNG. Exactly. That's yeah. <laughs> exactly. Man, lower decks is good. Yep. Uh, the, this white bread captain who dies is named Tishen Koville, which is the most like an alien name, but that dude does not look like a Tishen in like at all. Some firefly shit. Uh, I, it just sounds like a Vulcan name to me, but that dude is like the most like someone's dad. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Lorca's very mad at them because they're bad at fighting, though they did intuit that Klingons cannot fire while their ships are cloaked. Yep. yep. They Important tried to get plot their... point. Yeah, no. I wonder when that will come in relevant. Uh, every time they engage with cloaked ships and up through undiscovered country, where it is a major plot point. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it uh, continues to be a major plot point. You can't fire when yeah. cloaked. Rule of Star Trek. Stamets is clearly moving back and forth through universes. Not time this time, unfortunately. No, I can't. So I can't tell what the Stamets situation is, and I know that's very like. Is it, are the histories different? Are the worlds actually that different? Because or he's is just he getting... just like, or is he just like confused? Because the 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 thing that's actually the weird part is the part where he snaps back to being old Stamets. I'm like, wait, are those just two different Stamets? And not that he was high on the weird universe effects. I think I think afraid that he's been questioned about his perception of reality, he retreated back to like the the the, the like shields he put up as a person. Right, like that's what I would do. Sure, but I. Specifically, like, last week had a lot of good character development, but if that's, um, if his story about how he and, like, uh, what's the doctor's name? Because he's never in the show. Uh, Dr. Colbert. Colbert. I was going to say, I was going to say, like, Burr. Like, Colbert with a B. Oh, Colbert. Yes. Okay, good. Yes. Uh, and that story was, like, really nice and, like, it's a really good moment. Uh, but if that ends up being fake mirror unit, like, ugh, fucking plots. Who knows? No, it's fine. I don't, I don't think it is. I think specifically it's just he was challenged and confused and retreated back to being defensive in this moment. 
Because, yeah, like, literally she pushes back, like, for three seconds and he folds and tells her what's going on. <laughs> he is not okay. Poor yeah, but But also, like, he's chilled out a lot. Like, him and Tilly are, like, best science buds. Yeah, because he's like, I am your commanding officer and you will not question me on these things, Tilly. And Tilly's like, mate. Yeah. <laughs> and he immediately folds. <laughs> Anyway, that's kind of it for Discovery. Laurel has a six scar now. Laurel does have a six scar. I remember when we said, oh, now Laurel's got a six scar, so we'll always know who Laurel is. Yep. I mean, I would have known anyway. Her makeup is very distinctive, as is, like, she's the only one in, like, a pure white Klingon outfit. Yep. Uh, after the first, like, episode where it just was, like, a billion Klingons that all had no line standing around, now they are being very, like, whenever there's multiple Klingons on screen, they are very careful to make sure everyone has distinct designs and is presented properly. It's clear mm. that, like, for as much as I am not sold on the, like, design uh, broadly of the Klingons, they are committed to making sure that you can always tell who the Klingons are and not making just, oh, all these aliens just have one look because we only really have one kind of style of makeup design. Yep. I like that Cole is just like the biggest asshole in the world. Oh, and he like sucks so it much. reads it reads through like just the actor emoting. It like you don't even need to like read the things. He's just clearly just a giant asshole. He's the fucking Vulgan of Star Trek. Uh yeah, no for sure. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. Evil co- There's a there's a moment where he like um <coughs> puts the red makeup on uh um Lorel's face and it has this hilarious shot where he rubs the makeup on on camera so you see him like rub the fingers down and put the red makeup on and it just looks like it would look when you put makeup on fingers uh so it looks all patchy cuts away cuts back the makeup is perfectly applied and like perfectly smooth through the lines and everything yeah it's really (laughs) very funny uh laurel and admiral cornwell i want the adventure of them going through the galaxy just being cool like who can out tough the other the the possibility space when they get into a scene was so large of like the things the directions that show could have immediately gone it was very exciting to me like a world in which like oh maybe the stuff maybe the like vox stuff ends up coming from this place first and that's how you find out about it but have these other characters unaware in a different peril and they've got like i'm so happy i'm I am convinced. Uh, we both think that um, Cornwall's not dead. Yeah, no, Cornwall's clearly. It would be really. It would be a. It would be very unfortunate because I think the actress is really great for her to be dead. It would drop the entire plotline of her wanting to take Lorca out of command. Like these are things that have been put out there in the world that like you can't just get rid of them like that. That would be dumb. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's also not like even it, like if they were doing the oh like look at what could have happened and Lorca dodged that bullet because now she's dead it's not signposted that way like we're not given space to like reflect on it in like an emotional way it's just clearly like look at her body she's clearly dead in the very obvious TV way of she is not clearly dead uh, yeah and even the like way they fight and then die is like kind of a forced fight because they've already teamed up by that it, it's clearly uh, and also that would be like three major women characters dying in big moments in eight episodes which is not yep. the best yeah no it's not the best um uh and yeah so i i would miss cornwell i hope she stays around she's great yeah no i want her to interact with Lorca over and over again because they're great I want her. I want her take. I want. I want her to be in like situations where Lorca has to actually take commands from her. Mm-hmm. What if she? Ha- what if the like weird compromise they reach in the middle of war? Is she takes over the discovery, and he has to like fucking put up with that. But 
other if he doesn't do exactly what she says she's going to be like throw him out immediately i don't know there's multiple things you could do with that Mm-hmm. exciting show good show yeah, there. The, I think that's kind of everything. Uh, one ridiculous note is the ship that is destroyed early on, the Federation ship, is called the USS Gagarin, named after Yuri Gagarin, the cosmonaut, I assume. Yes, yes. Uh, It is a Shepard-class ship named after uh, the American uh, pilot and astronaut, which is just a silly bit of nonsense to me. Oh, um, Commander Shepard. No. No. <laughs> a foot down, not even, not even getting it no. off the ground. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, okay. I hate it. I hate it so much. Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> I'm I'm allowed. Yeah. Yeah. Um there's actually like been a bunch of like names like released uh through documents and fan stuff or stuff that is like the ships that were lost in the Battle of Binary Stars. It seems like Starfleet was really into naming ships after scientists and astronauts in this period. That is the way the the, the Elon Musk. Yep. <laughs> Somewhere there, there was like a there was like a USS Ride, which was based on Sally Ride. There's a bunch of like ships that took place in that battle that all have names like that. That's cool. Yep. So, uh, I, yeah, that's kind of all I got. I don't know. This episode's weird. <laughs> it's yeah. It's the most uh, for as much as it's the most just a Star Trek episode of like oh, here's a weird planet, here's a thing, here's a plot about it. It's also at the same time maybe the most um here's a modern tv episode it doesn't really have an ending it just kind of ends in a bit that will be picked up next time which is fine because it's like an actual cliffhanger to the finale most of the episodes have been properly structured i don't think that's the norm for this show but in this episode it definitely makes it weird because like the laurel plotline has no like has no relation to the other plot lines like like no even like thematically it just these two things are happening and need to happen before the next episode we are putting them here together uh yeah it's, yeah, it just feels very modern TV, you know, it, it, not in a necessarily a bad way, but in a way that's like, this is episodes, okay, it's good, it's very exciting, yeah. and leads to some, like, cool possibilities for the future. Yep. Yeah. Uh, for example, here's just two ships, because I found the list of Battle of the Binary Stars. There's the USS Clark, I assume after named after Lewis and Clark, that is a Malakowski-class ship that is named after Nicole Malakowski, the first, U- the first female uh, pilot of the Thunderbirds team. There's a ship, the USS... Uh, uh, Dana, which is a Hoover class ship that's not named after President Hoover. It's named after U.S. Air Force fighter pilot Bob Hoover, who escaped Nazi captivity in a stolen plane, which sounds amazing. That's pretty good. Yep. There's like a USS Earhart that take that's in there. Uh, there's just a lot of that stuff. <laughs> oh, hilariously, there's a ship called the USS Edison. Memory Alpha helpfully suggests the ship might have been named after Thomas Edison or Captain Balthazar M. Edison, which is <laughs> Idris Elba's character from Star Trek Beyond. <laughs> I guess he's technically canon, in, but because he just goes off into the frontier and disappears. Yeah. And he hasn't. Hang on. <laughs> what if there's at some point Prime Universe Idris Elba? Like he is probably a weird monster man in this universe on a planet they haven't kind of found yet. Yeah, because all that stuff will have happened by the the split. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No. Hundred percent. Oh. Oh no. Oh. I, they can write that book now. <laughs> I would be so excited to read that book. Are you kidding me? Fucking like original series Kirk running into Idris Elba. <laughs> Oh, please give me all this. These things. These things sound great. Uh, this was a fantastic podcast idea. I'm glad we're reading Star Trek books. <laughs> Just the, the weird lore hole we get into is really good. I appreciate yeah. it. Yes.
Anyway, that's it. That's all we've got. We don't have any questions or comments. We're at the season break next uh, week. So if you want to reply to us with all of your thoughts about Discovery through this first half of the season, it's a little more than half. You know what I mean? Um, that's please send them in uh podcast at normalmapping.com uh because uh, we will cover them and then we're gonna take a break until it comes back uh we're gonna cover some kelvin verse movies and it'll be great because we'll just yell about how bad those are until star trek beyond where suddenly they figure out what star trek is again oh the internet this episode is gonna be so long we have two comics to read because they did two tie-in comics to that one it's almost as if hiring people who like star trek means that your star trek is going to be better (laughs) that's not true bob orsi loves star trek Oh, I don't believe Bob Orsi loves anything. <laughs> uh, so Jackson, plugs. I am at Headfuls Off uh, on Twitter. You can find me there. You can find the podcast we do at abnormalmapping.com. Uh, we do Abnormal Mapping. That is a game club. It is cool. It is good. It is at thebestgame.club. Uh, we do um, the Amory score if you want to find out the latest goings on in the universe of the keywork. Uh, which is we're fucking reading the Coheed and Cambria comics they're bad uh, but they're a good podcast they lead to good podcasts that is with Molly it is at ineedmayo.com we do the Great Gundam Project which is a bonus podcast with one dollar patron subscribers at patreon.com slash abnormal mapping we host Fireside Friends there might be another podcast coming soon it's a good it's a good time next week should be that podcast actually it's actually okay we confirmed Barring soon. barring my life falling apart any more than it already has, <laughs> it will be up next week. Okay, so we don't know. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Star Trek's good though. Yeah, no, Star Trek's great. I'm excited for more Star Trek. It's been so hard not just read that Discovery book. I've had it for weeks. I'm so mad I'm not reading we, it. We're almost there. We are so close. I know. I know. I just need to like wait a week and then I can read it. All right. You you can do it. Yeah, I can do it. I can do it. All we gotta do is record up normal mapping, then we can get into reading more Star Trek. I meant you can do the outro of the podcast. Oh, <laughs> right. You can find me at EM underscore being. Uh, Jackson actually covered everything else. Please tell your friends about this show and any of the others that you enjoy. Uh, as always, check out the Patreon. Patreon.com slash normal mapping. Jackson already said that, but I'm going to reinforce it. We uh, thrive entirely on your support. Thank you, everybody. We'll be back next week. Uh, yesterday, uh, another SOS episode about a book came out. So please enjoy that. If you've finished DS9, you could listen to our episode talks anyway. Like, those are just fine to listen to. They're good. Yeah. Uh, that's it. See you next week. See you out there. <laughs>